God gives you more than you can handle. God's word today from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This is God's word. So you're behind on 13 deadlines, including your homework, including house projects, including writing to your grandparents, including sitting down and paying the bills. You're just, you're just behind. And then there's the job drama. And then there's the demands with kids. And then there's the, yeah, the, insert, the debt that you just, you just can't get past all these bills. And some of the debt uh, is due to your own poor, deci- poor decisions, and that's weighing on your mind. And then you have a friend come along, well-meaning, sincere friend, who says, don't worry, God never gives us more than we can handle. And they're wrong. And you know it. You're thinking, do you understand all the deadlines that I'm missing and all the, the job drama and the kid demands and, and the debt that I'm missing? What planet are you from? But they say it, thinking, hoping that you'll believe it. And it's wrong. And it's dangerous. Today I'm going to tell you why and why we have actually something better that's a real Bible truth that is even more helpful to us than the statement, God will never give you more than you can handle. First of all, it's wrong because the Bible says so. I just read you the words of the Apostle Paul who's talking about himself and other church workers and he said, we were going through so many troubles, it was far beyond our ability to endure. There you have it. God gave Paul, his star missionary, more than Paul can handle. And if you're human, God gives you more than you can handle too. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you later, if that's not enough to convince you, your own personal experience and Paul's experience that's recorded in the scriptures, I'm going to tell you later how God even gave Jesus more than he could handle. So, God will never give you more than you can handle is is wrong. And it's dangerous. Here's why. It's dangerous because it makes your personal threshold the limit of God's work in your life. It'd be like a football coach telling his team that they report for uh, two-a-days, you know, in late summer. And it'd be like a football coach telling his team, don't worry, I'm not going to make any of you sweat if you don't want to. 
And you know what? We are not, in, in, on my team, during our practice, we are not going to practice that physical violence of hitting each other. Mm-mm. We're, you won't sweat, you won't hit each other, not on my team. What's going to happen that first game? Right? So if they say, don't give us more than we can handle, and the coach agrees with that, that's like God saying, I'm not going to give you more than you can handle, and then what's going to happen in real life? So uh, that's why it's dangerous. It, makes, it puts us and our personal level as the threshold of God's work in our life, and he wants to do so much more in your life than be limited to you, believe me. So here's why Paul says, um, we do not want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced. Um, he's telling the, the church in Corinth, the believers there, hey, there's some information that's lacking, and you need to know about this. And maybe he even says this because they know the information, but, but they misinterpret it, like the saying, God will never give you more than you can handle. So he's maybe trying to correct something, but at the very least, he's trying to teach them something. And here are all the details that Paul gives us about these troubles that he's talking about. Okay, from these verses, here are all the details. Ready? In Asia. That's it. Those are all the details Paul gives when he says, we are experiencing these troubles. And the, the particular details about the exact troubles. The effect he goes on to talk about, and I'll get to that. But this is not Paul oversharing wanting to get all chatty about his own personal dilemmas so that Paul becomes more important than God. Right? So Paul holds back on the details of his affliction to leave room so you can talk about God. So you leave room for divine truth. What's going on because of those afflictions? And that's what he really gets to. You, you can read Bible commentators about this section of Scripture. They will spend pages and pages and pages. You can listen to sermons, and they'll spend 10, 15 minutes giving you five or six possible different options about what Paul's talking about, about his troubles in Asia. I'm not going to do that because I don't think Paul wants that. He wants us to get past Paul and past the details of the troubles. And he wants God to have center stage. So, there's a, there's a saying, maybe you've heard it, it's a better saying than God won't give you more than you can handle. It's actually a good replacement saying for it. And it's this. Mankind's extremity is God's opportunity. When you're sweating, when you're getting hit as a football player, you know, right? When, when things are tough, that's when God can do his best work in your life. So, how, how, can you, how does that happen in your life? How can you put God at center stage? And how can you let God's work take priority about what's going on in your life? Um, three different ways. Three different ways. First of all, Giving God center stage, uh, how much does God have to fight for that in your life? How much are you focused on your own details of your own troubles versus, like Paul did, backing off, putting a filter on it, and seeing what God can do? Number two, how much and how, how, how are others noticing that in your life? Do you have people saying to you at work, I don't know, I don't know what you do. I don't, know if you, it's, I don't know what your secret sauce is, 
But I watch you respond to stress, and you're just different than everybody else here. I want to know your secret. I see your work ethic. I see how you care for people. I see this, this calm in the storm in your heart. It, does that have to do with you being a Christian? All right, that's, we want people to notice that and say that. Those two are going to happen more if, number three, you yourself are more in tune and have an awareness of the troubles in your life, not just being troubles, but being God's workshop. That your troubles are not a prison, but they're God's workshop. Mankind's extremity is God's opportunity. So, what we're going to do today is look uh, in three different areas in these words in 2 Corinthians at God giving you more trouble than you can handle. We're going to look at what it is. We're going to look at why this is important for God, why he, why he allows this to even happen in your life, and then what he's looking for as an outcome from you, what he's looking for as the result in your life. All right, we're going to start with verses 8 and 9. Paul's writing about himself and the, his other church workers. He's writing about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. So there's four particular phrases in there I want to cover that explain what is this when, what are troubles when they happen? Let's identify them. So first Paul says, troubles we experienced, right? Even God's workers on God's assignment experience trouble in this world. We all, are you human? We all experience trouble, right? There's emergency room visits. There's wayward children. There's hurricanes. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble, Speaking to his believers, his followers. So, things happen. No cause for alarm or worry. Things happen. We have to expect that. Your day is rarely going to go the way that you want it to. Troubles happen. Number two, Paul says we are under great pressure. Um, That that Greek word there for pressure is bareo, from which we get our word barometer. Pressure, right? What does a barometer measure? Pressure. How does it function? That, that air pressure pushes down on the mercury, which pushes the mercury up this little tube, and it gives you this reading in a barometer. And so this is pressure. Um, we're, we're weighted down by our troubles in this world. Picture a person who has so much luggage, right? Bags, shoulder straps on, and on their head, and carrying and pulling, and so much baggage. They're never going to get through airport security or under the plane because they have way too much. That's, that can be how we live. We just, we're under that pressure. Number three, it's far beyond our ability to endure, Paul says. Um, Paul has a one-gallon Ziploc bag and ten gallons of trouble. It's not going to fit. That's, that happens in life. We despaired even of life, he says, and we felt the sentence of death. That's not the trouble. That's the response to trouble. Make sure you understand the difference. 
Right? Paul says, we, it felt like it was killing us. We felt in our hearts the sentence of death. This is the human response to trouble. And uh, it's, not, it's not the trouble itself. It's the human response. I, I, I just can't take it. I, there's no hope. I, I, I don't have any other options. This is killing me. I, I'm, I don't know what else to do. Right? That's a human response to trouble. Um, this word for trouble, it's, uh, for, for being overwhelmed here with trouble, it also appears in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 21, verse 34. Um, and this is interesting, because this tells the story more about how, how this burden is more of our response than the trouble itself. So you can look up in your Bibles, Luke 21, 34, uh, or in your Bible app. Here's what it says. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down. There's the word, barometer. Your hearts will be weighed down with carousing. That word literally means unmanaged indulgence. Okay, that's like mm, Doritos. I'm eating the whole bag. And then later, oh, you regret it, right? That's unmanaged indulgence. Six-pack, I'm going to drink the whole thing. Unmanaged indulgence. You pay for it later. That's, That's what that means by carousing there, okay? Drunkenness, speaking of the six pack, and the anxieties of life, those are weighing down what? Luke 21, 34, what are they weighing down? Jesus' words, weighing down. He says, your hearts will be weighed down by those things. Your heart is the place where God lives. It's the spiritual place, your spiritual condition. So this is a spiritual issue. That Jesus is saying, all that unmanaged self-indulgence, all those anxieties, those put the pressure on your heart because you are believing lies in the world that make those things so important to you. That spiritually speaking, your response to troubles is to eat a bag of Doritos. Your response to trouble is to drink. Your response to trouble is, is despair, is anxiety, is worry, is workaholism, is checking out, is, high, is something. And that's a spiritual issue, Jesus says, and that's going to weigh you down. That puts the pressure on you, not the trouble. You get it? I'm my worst trouble. It's not the troubles around me that weigh me down. It's not the troubles around me that are my baggage, that are loaded. And Jesus says, it's a heart thing. It's my response to the trouble that is really the trouble itself in my life. That's what happens. And so... Maybe when your friend says, God won't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> Maybe it isn't God giving it to you in the first place. When you have more than you can handle, 
I'm the one who gives that to myself. That's that word and Jesus' word in Luke 21. Uh, God's not the problem. Your circumstances are not the problem. Your too many deadlines, job drama, that's not the problem. How you respond to it is the problem. That's what it is. Why does why doesn't God just prevent this? Why doesn't God just push the easy button for your life uh, for at least one day and say, uh, no, troubles for, no troubles for that person. They'll be trouble-free. It, it'll all be okay. They'll live in paradise. He could do that. Why doesn't he do that? Why does he let me be this problem maker in my own life? He has a purpose for it. Look at uh, verses 9 and 10. This happened so that, Paul's writing, this meaning the, the troubles and a, a response of feeling like death, this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. Yeah, so there's, there's peril. That word is talking about long-term, right? Deadly peril. One of the problems with the fact that I'm my worst problem is that it could lead me to a deadly peril. My ultimate destination could be separation from God forever if I want to solve my problems my way and become my worst problem and not believe God's truth. It's also a daily pressure. Paul just talked about the barometer, the, the being weighed down, right? This is a daily pressure. I've got to deal with the stress in my life. And it's all self-manufactured. Because of my response to troubles. So it's deadly peril in the long term. It's daily pressure now. And, and here's the good news. God knows this. But instead of calming the storm, he calms the child. Instead of cutting open the, the cocoon, he allows the the forming butterfly to struggle and struggle and gain strength in its wings so that when it comes out of the cocoon, it can fly. And God's deliverance actually focuses on a person, on, on a deliverer, on the ultimate hero who delivers us because he rose from the dead and because of that, he can deliver us again. So I want to take you to uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. So if you have your Bible, look at that verse. Uh, or your Bible app. Check this out. Matthew 26, verse 38. We find this whole issue transposed to Jesus' own life, in his, his own world. And Matthew 26, verse 38, is when he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? This is... Uh, He's, he's headed to the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to die the next day. And he's with his disciples there. And look at what Jesus, the ultimate deliverer, says to his disciples. Matthew 26, verse 38, Jesus says this, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus the Son of God is overwhelmed 
Jesus, the Son of God, is stressed out. You could even say, Jesus, the Son of God, is experiencing trouble that he can't endure. Or at least he says, right, he's experiencing the sentence, Paul said, the sentence of death, we have trouble, and it feels like it's killing us, and now Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, to the point of death? Paul says it felt like death. Jesus knows it is going to be death. And what is overwhelmed with sorrow? Jesus says those words. My soul, Jesus says, is overwhelmed. Remember in Luke 21 when he said, don't let your heart be weighed, don't let your heart be overwhelmed. And now Jesus' own heart, own soul, is being overwhelmed. Stressed out, more than he can endure, overwhelmed, carrying this baggage, but it's important to understand what the baggage is. For us, it's a choice. For Jesus, it was a choice too. But Jesus' choice, for what that baggage was, my soul is overwhelmed, he says. What, know, what that, know what overwhelmed him? Was him choosing to take all of your baggage on himself. He had no guilt of his own. He's holy. He had no bad decisions of his own. He's, he's the Son of God. He never sinned. But he had all of your stress, all of your anxiety, all of your fear, all of your depression, all of your worry, all of your, your uh, one-pound Ziploc bags trying to squeeze five pounds into it, and it's stressing you out to the Doritos and the drinking. And the, right, he, took, he takes all that and he puts it on himself and he says, Wow, that's heavy. That's going to kill me. And then look at verse 39, the very next verse. He says, praying to his father here, If possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Father, is this too much for me? Father, I am, I am human. I am both God and man. I am 100% human. I can't rely on myself. Father, what is right? What is best? Help me. Ever pray that? Jesus did. And God delivers the deliverer. He, he says, yes, I want you to endure this trouble, my son. Yes, you will drink the poison cup of death, but I will raise you from the dead. And the father raised his son with approval, with, with welcome arms. Well done, my son. Mission accomplished. He raised him from the dead. God gave his own son more than he could handle so that he could be your deliverer, so that it would kill him. It, what you take on, your sinful response, it killed him. And he paid the price. And it's done. God gave his own son more than he could handle so he could be the deliverer. And God gives you more than you can handle so that you can be delivered and not think that you are Jesus, the Savior of everything, and not think that you are God 
Um, that's it's an outstanding promise in God's saving activity. Um, Jesus is over, even on the cross, my God, you have forsaken me, right? He just is too much for Jesus to endure, and, and it killed him. Your sins of despair and anxiety and bad response to troubles, they give you daily pressure, but they're not a deadly peril for you. They are forgiven, and they are taken off of your shoulders. You do not have five pounds of trouble to fit in a one-pound bag. No. You have five pounds of trouble to give to your Savior, Jesus, who has unlimited resources because he died and he rose from the dead. And he'll always deliver you and deliver you again. That's his promise. So, based on all that, that's, that's why it's important to God. Now, what does God want from you? Um, what's he looking for you when he gives you too much for you to handle. Look at verses 10 and 11. Paul writes, On him, that's on God, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you, talking to the Corinthians, to believers, as you help us by your prayers. You're in, the, you're in this with us. Thank you. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. On him we have set our hope. How does God want you to handle what he gives you that you can't handle? To not handle it. When God gives you something and, and you can't handle it, stop trying. And let him handle it. Recognize that you can't. And when you try, things go bad. Um, and so you want God, you want to let God handle that. Um, 2 Corinthians 12 uh, later in this book of the Bible, Paul talks about this process of, of God's grace being so much that it handles things for us and it teaches us not to handle it. In 2 Corinthians 12, uh, beginning at verse 7, all right, 7 to 10 is that section. That's where Paul talks about this thorn in his flesh. And right away he recognizes the importance of tr this trouble in his life. In his very first words in verse 7, he says, to keep me from becoming conceited. Right? To keep me from being so full of myself that I can handle everything myself, there was given to me this trouble. And Paul says, that's so good. It's so good because it drove me to my knees and it drove me to God and it drove me to pray and it drove me to realize sometimes God wants something different in my life than I want. And when that's the case, he's always right. So Paul identifies the fact that he can't do it all. He realizes this could cause pride or despair or any other feeling. And then he brings in the truth of God into the scenario, right? Uh, God said to me, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, which he's doing here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, because it's God at center stage. Uh, God's you have more trouble in your life than you can handle because you have more grace of God than you can handle. His power is made perfect in your weakness. You are his workshop. 
and you have unlimited grace of God, more than you can handle. Uh, Paul also says he will continue to deliver us. In the 1930s, the, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge was being built. And 23 steelworkers fell to their deaths while trying to construct and erect the Golden Gate Bridge. After 23 steelworkers fell to their deaths, the construction company and those who were involved decided to, to, uh, to put this net under wherever the steelworkers would be working. At a cost in the 1930s of $100,000, which is phenomenal in the 30s. At this extreme cost, they placed a safety net. From then on, during the construction project, 10 steelworkers fell into the net and did not die. Here's the punchline. Work improved. They saw a 25% increase in efficiency for steelworkers on the job constructing the Golden Gate Bridge because they replaced their anxiety with assurance. Because they knew as they took that next step, as they reached for that big bolt, they knew that if they fell, they would not fall to their death, but would be caught in the net. Faith that saves you is faith that changes you. It changes your work ethic. It changes how you go about life. It, it lets you live with peace and joy and confidence. It increases efficiency. And that's what God is looking for. Let him be your net and work harder and better and work with efficiency and uh, you'll be living with uh, not anxiety but with assurance. So God wants you to do this when you're overwhelmed to you ask yourself, not... I, well, I, I don't know if I can handle this, but ask, can God handle this? And you know the answer. And then ask, do I want him to handle this? And you know the answer to that too. God will handle it way better than you can. I saw that in practice this last week. I was in Florida, in Palm Coast, uh, one of the places hit hardest by Hurricane Matthew. I was there on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, I was at a pastor retreat and uh, felt it was wise to get out of town on Wednesday. And so I did. I safely flew back here. I'm thankful for that. Um, I, had, I have pastor friends who were at that retreat in Florida who live on the east coast of Florida. Port Orange, West Palm, uh, and even up at Myrtle Beach, uh, Palm, Palm Coast, Daytona. And uh, this is interesting, Speak, talking with them, observing them as the days of the week came closer to where Ma what Matthew was doing, what its path would be, and what would happen, and watching their response. And uh, some of those guys who live on the East Coast, those pastors, some brought, got their families and evacuated eventually, uh, went to the West Coast, went to the Gulf Coast. Some sent their families away and stayed by their churches with their members because their churches were going to be shelters during and after the hurricane. Uh, some didn't do anything, but were waiting to see what would happen. All of them responded in a way that was calm, filled with peace and not anxiety, 
And understanding that a hurricane is trouble and God gives us more trouble than we can handle, but that ultimately God owns and rules the hurricane too. And I appreciated those guys, Pastor John, Pastor Don, how they responded. I personally would have responded probably differently than one or two of them did, but, but I didn't think of that. I just watched them and how they responded to a hurricane. And it's an inspiration to me and to us that it's not the trouble that should trouble us. We can be troubled about the trouble or we can give it to God. And God says, Psalm 50, verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. That's God's desire for you and my prayer for you too. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are so good in allowing troubles in our lives. We are so quick to doubt in what work you're doing. We are so quick to, to complain about our circumstances and to blame them for what's going on. We ask you to forgive us. And because Jesus took all of that to the cross, wipe our hearts clean of any guilt that, that is there, or any guilt that we feel, and send us today Send us out to this week appreciating more your love for us, your grace in Jesus, and understanding that if there's anything that overwhelms and burdens us, it's your love for us and how you take care of us and how you handle things in our lives. May these words be imprinted on our hearts and be special and meaningful to us this week as we grow in your grace now and forever. Amen.